0: This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Going up on the 13th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we talk about the development of women's football in the northwest of New South Wales with AFL New South Wales ACT's Hannah Davis. We chat about the Wilson Grange Gorillas' 180-point win in the QWAFL with their coach, Laura Kidd. We get the lowdown on AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Round 3 with Lauren Hodgson. And we preview a big year ahead of women's footy in the United States with USA. AFL media manager, Brian Barish. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 13th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And a quick reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program, Wednesday evenings, quarter past six in Melbourne on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio. Look for RSN Carnival. Or, of course, download the podcast from Thursday mornings via iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Our first interview is with the female football manager for AFL New South Wales ACT, Hannah Davis. Now, of course, we've all been focused on Greater Western Sydney as being a growing burgeoning area of AFL support as they try and take on the rugby league heartland and obviously soccer entrenched in that area. There's been women's competitions that have been sprouting up throughout Sydney, throughout the Hunter Central Coast region and also throughout the Riverina. But how about the northwest of the state, which is typically been seen as traditional rugby league territory. Well, no more. Commencing this Saturday, April 29th, the AFL Northwest's women's competition will get underway with four teams from Armidale, Tamworth, Inverell and Maury. I've got Hannah on the line to explain a little bit more about it. Hannah, how does it feel to be working there at AFL New South Wales ACT and finally seeing a women's competition start in rugby league heartland up in the northwest of the state?
1: That's right. It's really exciting. We're seeing sort of unprecedented growth all over the state, even in areas where AFL is not necessarily the, you know, the longest Standing code or the most popular, but we're finding that uh, where we're offering that opportunity for women, especially to get involved, it's really taking off, so it's exciting.
0: Perhaps, in one way, it's not surprising for one of the teams involved. I know, obviously, there's the New England Nomads. They're based out of Armidale, which is the University of New England. So, obviously, universities get people from wide varieties of the country and even overseas travelling through. So you get, uh, no doubt, some some from Aussie rules territory ending up there. But a surprise with places, for example, like Moree and Tamworth, which have have been seen as traditional rugby league territory.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I, I mean, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I do think with the um, introduction of the AFLW Professional League, obviously this year, the National League, It's given exposure to women who may not necessarily be involved in sport otherwise, Um, you know, so not necessarily women who are leaving rugby to come and play AFL, but women who are actually inactive or just doing sort of informal sport who are looking for something a bit more structured and it's just, it's offering offering a new opportunity, so I think for a lot of women that's really appealing.
0: And what's your feedback been from the four clubs that are taking part? That's the Tamworth Kangaroos, New England Nomads, Inverall Saints, Maury Sons. What's the feedback been like uh, for them trying to get numbers? And when was the idea first planted to try and get the women's comp up for this year?
1: Well, look, I, I can't speak out of term. I've only been involved since the start of the year in this role. But I know um, a lot of the people on the grounds there in sort of northwest New South Wales, there's been some really passionate volunteers and drivers on the ground who've heard the interest from women and they've seen it sort of growing. So we were able to... um with the help of uh, small grants from the AFL um, help set up this comp for the girls um, and once they opened it up, the numbers were a little slow to start but they keep every week when I check in, they, they're jumping by 10 registrations a week over the last month. So by the time it actually kicks off in round one, uh, we'll be looking at about 50 players as opposed to no one who was playing last year. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and I think it will then just keep gaining momentum. So as the season goes on, I think um, – the numbers will just organically keep growing. So it's really exciting.
0: And hopefully a chance to pick up more players as you go along, because I should point out with the rounds, it's not like uh, two games per round. It's one game per week. So I guess it was with teams seeing one game get underway that hopefully affects the next round, which sees more players go to the next lot of teams, et cetera.
1: That's right. So it's a, you know, it, it can be a bit limiting when you've only got four teams. But if you're creative and clever, you can still capture people's interest and actually spark further interest. Which I think they've, they've um, done a really good job of setting this comp up, and that's what it's all about at the moment. Where where there is interest and where there are women wanting to play. Um, I'm really encouraging leagues and comps to be innovative and creative in capturing that energy before we lose it and they, you know, they head off somewhere else or to another sport or even in that area over to Queensland. So um, it's important that we do offer something and, you know, once it's up and running, I have no doubt that the numbers will just keep growing because that's what we're seeing all over the state and regions.
0: I guess there's been some added influence of AFL going into that area, not only with AFLW, uh, obviously over the uh, pre-season to the men's competition, AFLW running through February and March, but uh, also at the same time, uh, not only just TV going into that northwest part of the area, I believe there's been radio now. In fact, a radio deal was done where Swans and Giants games are being broadcasted up to that. So I guess it's a case of because it's now being pumped up there constantly, interest is involved in the game.
2: Yeah, I
1: think so. And Australians just generally have this appetite for sport. So and and there is a healthy appetite for AFL all year round, which is what we're finding from the, you know, the summer season in February and March and now into the autumn and winter. So um, you know, with greater exposure becomes greater awareness, it sparks interest and especially with women, I mean, um, it can be a very social aspect. Women like to be part of a group, so you know, when one comes down, typically they're going to bring a couple of friends and they talk to other mates and there's this real power in um, female networking and and the power of their own words that spark further interest. So, you know, when there is the coverage and the radio and it's on TV, no doubt that's helping to drive um, interest that otherwise wasn't around.
0: And we should also point out it's not just the northwest part of the state outside of Sydney that's growing. Obviously, the uh, Black Diamond League, which is uh, Newcastle Hunter Central Coast region, yeah. has been around uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, Broken Hill's been out there. Uh, Central West, I think, has even had a smaller league out there. What's it been like towards the south, particularly when we go Sapphire Coast Riverina? Yeah, we're finding um, in the Sapphire
1: Coast, every male club has a female team except for one so that's been fantastic so there's a nice little comp um up and running there and we're actually looking now to how we can expand that and have a youth girls comp over there i mean similarly to some of the regional areas there's the geographical challenge of people being quite spread out but we find people are willing to travel once a week for the sake of playing so we're hoping to be able to run a bit of a uh, pilot youth girls out in the Saffawire and Riverina as well. We've seen huge growth in youth girls um, and are now looking to introduce a senior comp there with a bit of a pilot program at the end of this year too. So, you know, we, where we thought we were planning for 2018, you know, strategically, we're now finding actually we have to act sooner because people are now asking and demanding, well, not de- yeah, demanding I suppose in a way, but um the the, the want is there, so we don't want to now be waiting until 2018 and we say, okay, yeah, we'll we'll try and do something towards the other end of this season. So that's the plan for Riverina um, and Sapphire Coast is more about a focus for youth girls next year with the Open Women sort of looking after itself quite nicely.
0: I guess, in a way, could you look at the Northwest competition uh, very similar to Broken Hill, for example? Broken Hill's competition is only a four team comp. It's in a remote part of the country. I guess the only difference being that Broken Hill was always Aussie rules territory compared to obviously Maury, Tamworth, etc., being rugby league territory.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, I think where there's women who weren't necessarily playing rugby league, you've suddenly got an opportunity to get involved in the team sport and, and they're really taking to it, which is, which is great. So, you know, there are similarities across the um, – we've got so many different regions and comps up and running and I suppose one of my roles is to be talking amongst all the different areas, whether it's inner city Sydney or central west or northwest or south coast and um, applying different um, – models of best fit. So where there has been a comp of four teams, how can we modify that to work somewhere else? Or do we need to change it completely? And so that's where my role is being sort of that middle person helping create comps that are suitable to regions and and the um, populations.
0: I guess one thing that we need to look at as well, we don't know when obviously Sydney will enter the competition and we don't know what year down the road that the draft for AFLW will become a true national draft where you can end up anywhere. At the moment, it's whatever state you nominate for. So what are the pathways you're looking at developing, obviously for those that first pick up a football in the (laughs) northwest part of the state to eventually at this stage be able to get to the GWS Giants? Yeah, look, it is a tough one,
1: especially for the girls and the women in more... Um, regional areas, what we're trying to do is set up um, academies across the state. So we've got five up and running at the moment in different areas and where where there is interest and there are numbers, we'll continue to expand and and set up academies and then set up representative football matches where you're playing against other regions, and it's the best of a region versus the other best of a region, and their opportunities to be seen and potentially scouted. There's also, you know, the, the talent search phase where you can nominate yourself and just come along and, and attend a talent search, and that that is welcoming of people who haven't even necessarily played AFL yet. So there's a few different options, and um, I suppose at a at a grassroots level, I'm focused on trying to fill those gaps in the pathways at the moment where. We might have an Auskick clinic um, or an Auskick centre and an open women's team, but nothing happening for teenage girls. So I'm trying to find where those gaps are and start to fill them up because um, that in the end is going to grow numbers. It's going to keep girls at their clubs if they can start as a junior and go all the way through and then hopefully into an academy where they then get the opportunity to be, to be seen.
0: Indeed, that's the old gap, hasn't it? And it's been for many years uh, until the yeah. youth girls originally came along. It was the, the girls that were told back then they had to stop at 12 or 13 and obviously that's never right. picked it up again until they're in their 20s.
1: That's right. And, that, you know, I, I grew up with a family of older brothers in South Australia and we're all diehard fans and it just was never an option for me to play AFL beyond being a little kid, whereas times have changed and um, we are now looking to create those opportunities straight away. So after, you know, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, where girls are ready to play their own comp and get out of that mix scene, having an opportunity there to capture them, because of course that's the age where um, drop off is massive anyway across sport in general. Um, So we really need to nurture that space and make sure there is something there for those girls to call their own and and to be really proud and own it. So that's what I'm trying to um, help do and fill those gaps and keep people engaged and keep keeping them loving the game and fit and active and, you know, those who want to be pursuing something more elite can and those who don't, don't have to either. So it's about creating something that appeals to to everyone regardless of their sort of... um, what their
0: goals are and just finally before we let you go since we mentioned the giants earlier obviously a close working relationship between the giants and afl new south wales act um how much do you liaise with them to for example to be able to get those we've already got the marquee such as renee Forth and emma swanson and and the other players that do have that free time to get them out to other parts of the stage to be able to either speak or take a coaching session or do something so they're obviously visual and there in front of those players
1: that's right, um, and I've recognised that as something we really need to capture from um, as, you know, AFL, New South Wales, ACTs having some formalised sort of ambassador-type programs and positions where we get these marquee girls out and about. It is difficult. I mean, New South Wales and ACT, it's quite a big... Mm. spread of land to cover so um, you know I'm working closely with staff in those areas and our regional AFL staff just to say look be, be as creative as you can and where we can capture an audience um, let's try and do that and I'm, you know I, I speak to um, both the marquee girls um, on a one to one basis and I also work with the club affair fair bid and we're, we're working on a model at the moment where we hope to be able to implement an actual formalised program and and make more out of these players that are here available to spark the interest and the growth and and be the face of it.
0: Well, Hannah, thank you very much for joining us here on girlsplayfooty.com, and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of 2017 and the years going forward as you develop female footy there in New South Wales and the ACT. Thank
1: you. If I can say anything, I just encourage everyone to get out and watch the women this weekend and check out the round and, and, you you know, give them a cheer.
0: And if you're in the Inveril area, head along to see uh, Inveril taking on the New England Nomads. I think at roughly about 12.31 o'clock there at the local footy ground. That's it. Time for our state league wrap. We head all around the country to check out the women's competitions currently underway. That's at the premier level. First of all, up to Queensland and the QWAFL. Yuronga, South Brisbane, 14-16-100, defeating Corporu 5-5-35. And it was all thanks to a first term where the Devils 6-5, k uh, to the Corporu Kings, just one goal. Uh, For Yoronga South Brisbane, four players kicked bags of three, including Cantrell, Ransfield, Frederick Traub, their new recruit, and uh, Madrona, all kicking three goals. Uh, The better players for the Devils on the day, Cowan, Walsh, and Bates for the Corporu Kings, Lawrence, Molly, and Spence. Another match in the QWAFL saw Koolangatta Tweed 8-5-53 defeat the University of Queensland 4-3-27. Uh, Roberts kicking four for Coolangatta. Tweed, better players for the Bluebirds. Hamlin, Sexton, and Kasler for University of Queensland. Bowder kicked two, and their better players, Hunt, Martin, and Bowden. And wow, wow, wow. Wilston Grange, no one saw this coming. The Gorillas, 27-18, 180, defeated the Zilmiri Eagles. No score. Whack, bang, Wallop! What a first win for the year for the Wilston Grange Gorillas. And I've got on the line their coach in Laura Kidd. Laura, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. What an impressive performance to get your first win of season 2017. Yeah, it was pretty, um, pretty exciting. Um, we're, very, uh,
3: we're very thrilled um, by, in saying that we're very um, humbled by um, our win. Uh, we're definitely not getting ahead of ourselves because we have a long way to go, but um, it's good to have a win
0: early on in the season. Before we talk about that particular game, it's been a tough few years, hasn't it, for Wilston? You haven't been one of the sides that have been up near the top of the table.
3: No, definitely not. Um, I uh, previously played for Honor. Um, and, you know, we haven't had too much to do with uh, Wilson Grange, but I uh, saw a couple of games last year and unfortunately things weren't clicking. Um, amazing for, for the girls. And, um, but over the season, we've been able to, uh, over the uh, pre-season, sorry, we've been able to uh, recruit quite well. Um, and we're developing a fantastic culture that's always been there, but we're, we're going ahead with that now.
0: I know a number of things happening off the field. Of course, one of them that was made public a couple of months ago was this pseudo-partnership uh, that you've got going with Melbourne University down in Victoria. Yeah, so
3: I'm um, very, very thrilled to have uh, Melbourne Union on board. I was lucky enough to um, myself um, to play for Melbourne University and um, from that experience I've uh, been lucky enough to work with their CEO and um, develop this partnership and so we're definitely uh, leading the way here with uh, Queensland AFL I'm at Wilson Grange and we're the first female uh, club in Queensland to have a partnership with the Victorian um, club and they're, and they're you know, one of your dominant clubs down there I think they've got uh, 16 of their girls drafted this year so um, we're Extremely lucky to have that
0: partnership. We've been talking with some of the WA clubs of late and they've been reporting numbers from anywhere between 70 to 90 to even 100 showing up at their respective training sessions. What have the numbers been like uh, this year for pre-season at Wilston Grange uh, considering all the hype around AFLW? Well,
3: um, to give you a bit of an idea, we've gone from one women's team that was, you know, struggling for numbers in terms of um, uh, towards the end of the season through injury. Um, So you can imagine there's uh, like 40 girls per se, um, if that. Um, And now over uh, probably about a two-month period, uh, we've gone to two women's teams. Uh, We've gone to an under-17s team. We've gone to a 15s, an under-13s and an under-11s girls team all over the Christmas period.
0: That is a fantastic explosion in numbers and I guess one thing that helps I guess that one thing that helps as well is having a couple of Lions players come back to your club, including Jamie Stanton and Talia Randall. Yeah, so
3: um, Jamie was never with us. She used to play for Cooley. Um, we're just extremely lucky that she was friends uh, with a number of girls in our team. Um, plus, she does university um, up in Brisbane. So uh, we were able to um, you know, have a chat to Jamie and uh, we've also got Jordan Membry um, as well. Uh, we, and then that comes into a nice mix with uh, Talia Randall and Kate Luckins. Um, Kate Luckins on the weekend played for the Australian Defence Force. Um, she got best on ground, so we're extremely lucky to have those uh, four predominant Line,
0: girls. And that's going to bol- bolster your side even further. And I'm just interested to know, with the Lions players back there off the field, um, how much do they have I- involvement in the junior programs? Any of them? How about with coaching roles, etc.? And what does that mean?
3: Um, well, in terms of um, a directive from the Brisbane Lions themselves, they basically gave them back to Clubland. They've gave, given them their reviews, and then it's really up to the club. So uh, my vision for them and my challenge to each of those uh, four Lions players is, is really to um, develop those leadership roles within uh, within our group, especially with our younger players. Um, we've got a uh, under-17 program. is extremely strong. We've got a couple of all-Australian girls um, in that team. And ultimately, um, their, their aim is to get drafted. So they're really working one-on-one with our younger girls, really uh, paving that way for them and exp- um, explaining their experiences with, with the lines, and really um, trying to help that in, in club lands.
0: Having a look at the goal kickers for the day, Maddie Peters, 10 goals to recruit for you, I believe, from Cairns. Yeah, that's a, that's a, an exceptional
3: uh, pack of goals for for Maddie. Maddie's a um, a a young lady from our Cairns, and we we picked her up. We've got a couple of Cairns girls. Um, she's an Indigenous player, and is just an absolutely superstar um, she's very shy um, so you know you'd imagine that she'd be very excited for 10, girl, uh, 10 goals sorry but uh, she just takes it in a stride and uh, she's definitely learning it's a huge step up from hands uh, to Brisbane football um, but you know one step at a time we're trying to guide her through that and she's just uh hopefully by the end of the season she's definitely one of our leading goal scorers of the league
0: and one of the other players I saw get on the goal kicker sheet with four and also being mentioned among the best players India Collins.
3: Indy, yeah, definitely. Um, Indy's a fantastic young player. Uh, she's very raw still, um, so we're extremely excited to work with her. And um, kind of container, she's a fantastic runner. Um, she's she's small in stature, but just she has the um, firepower of you know any any strong
0: um,
3: tall girl. So uh, we're very very lucky to have um, Indy in our team as well.
0: Um, excluding the difference of, of getting a couple of Lions players into your side, what do you think was the difference, uh, again, besides the opposition of the performance of the team compared to the loss in Round 2 to the dominant performance in Round 3? What do you felt clicked right? Well, uh, to, to be entirely honest, um,
3: uh, our, our first game we had uh, over 10 players um, out. Um, of our team, so we had definitely had uh, basically a whole whole new girls. Um, So that that was a huge uh, disadvantage to go into. Um, It was exciting to expose the girls, but it's a bit hard when you're coming up against Cooparoo, which are a a dominant team, and you're going in there with uh, basically a whole new team who's never played football, and that's their first game. Um, It was exciting that we got a win on the weekend against uh, Zillian, and we still have seven of our main players um, out of the team. So we've still got a long way to go, um, and, that, and that's the exciting bit for Wilson Grange, and I guess it's a position that we've never been in before.
0: The future looking positive, but a very tough game coming up. Let's just focus on round four. First of all, for your match, uh, you're hosting a Bendigo Bank Oval. Cool and Tweed, you're coming up against the reigning premiers who also had a big win in round three.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, obviously we've got competition with um, their team. They've got another uh, a number of youth uh, Queensland girls, and they've just went away to um, under 18 state titles. Um, so they they've been named in the under 18 Queensland uh, youth team. So they've got a lot of youth on their team. Um, so they'll be quite fast. And then we've got the likes of Leah Casler. Um, I would imagine she'd be playing in the in the ruck or in the in the centre somewhere. Um, and you know she's just a huge um asset to that team, and uh, she's such
0: a great leader so she'll be definitely um, one that we have to look out for on the weekend Let's just have a quick look at the uh, other games that are on the, in round four at uh, Leishon Park, to South Brisbane up against uh, UQ Red Lions, that's going to be an interesting game it will be an interesting game. Um, Yuronga, they're in
3: the same boat as Kuparu uh, and us. Um, they've recruited really well over the season. Um, they've also got the inclusion of Sabrina. Um, so that's a, that's a nice, uh, nice pick-up as well, a draw card, especially uh, with her leadership qualities and um, getting people um, to the games. Um, that will be a, a, a nice mix. It's going to be interesting to see how UQ go, because unfortunately they've lost a few players over to uh, Cooperoo. Um So they're, they're starting a little bit from scratch again. Um, but they've still got they've picked up uh, Nick Hildebrand from Melbourne um, she's from Melbourne University Girl um, so she's gone over to UQ to play um, and then you've got Megan Hunt so you know they're there for UQ um, as well as Shawnee Webb trying to settle the game, their game play down so it's going to be a very interesting um, game it's going to be nice to know, the, not, not to know the results
0: and also your thoughts on this game as well the Zemiri Eagles who uh, are yet to win a game uh, up against Dor of course who are the newly promoted side
3: yeah, it's fantastic to have um, Maroochydore in there with Stu Jackson up up north. So it's uh, definitely you know you have got cooling down the Gold Coast, and we um, the league screaming out for a um, a team up in um, Sunshine Coast. So it's and it's going to be a, a great um, competition because you've got the the youth in Maroochydore, um, and they've stepped up. Uh, there's a huge step between Division One and Quaffle. Um, so it's going to be a very it's going to be a fantastic competition considering you know that difference in pace uh, that Maroochydore um, have experienced. Um, um, and then the, the new girls that um, Zylmia are uh, exposing to um, the, the top league and the state
0: league. And finally, before we let you go, we were focusing on the QWAFL. But as you mentioned, you've got at least two senior women's sides. You're hoping that uh, with the players coming back, that talent that uh, in the early rounds have had experience in QWAFL will hopefully uh, assist their game in the QWAFA. Yeah, definitely. Um, our, our girls that um, we're, in a,
3: we're in a unique position that Grange has never been in before, and uh, you know, we're we the first one having to go. Well, we, we've got so many girls, in, and they're fantastic players. Um, the girls who are in our Division One team are, um, are, are, you know, are better than the standard of our top team last year. So um, the strengths of uh, girls AFL in Queensland is just going leaps and bounds now because of this AFL W league, um, and and to be a coach and the only female coach in the, uh, in the league, um, that's extremely exciting to see the promotion of women's sport in general.
0: Well Laura, thank you very much for your time here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2017 Bond University QWAFL season. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for uh, promoting our amazing sport. Time to turn our attention now to the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and I've got on the line from the Southern Power and going to be one of our regular reporters throughout the year, Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, thank you very much for joining us. Let's have a look at Round 3 and the first game. And safe to say, at the start of the season, everyone would have predicted this to be a close game. It wasn't to be the case. The Stingrays getting an easy win on the Newtown Breakaways.
2: Yeah, well I mean, UNSW Stingrays are the reigning premiers um, and Newtown won the premiership the year before. you know, so expecting a, a really close game there. But unfortunately, Newtown have probably had a slower start than they would have liked. Um, and the Stingrays just led from the get-go um, and never sort of gave Newtown a chance. And, you know, they, they finished with a big score. as you know, 95 to, to just three behind. So, I'm um, yeah, a little bit lopsided there. Um, but, I mean, look, UNSW also got back a couple of GWS Giants list of players. Um, I mean, Beck Beeson was dominant all day for the Stingrays and finished with, with eight goals. Um, you know, so fantastic. I suppose individual performance there but just a great team performance by the Stingrays as well.
0: We also had our first draw of the season.
2: Yeah, you don't get too many draws um, or I haven't seen too many draws in women's footy uh, in my time up in Sydney. So we had uh, the Division 1 premiers from 2016, uh, the UTS Shamrocks, one of the teams that you mentioned before that have have been promoted um, against the combined unit of Auburn Penrith. Look it was a tight contest. I mean the first quarter was tight and the Shamrocks kicked away in the second and third to be up by twenty nine points the last break. But um the five goal to one final quarter, well, I saw the Giants snatch victory from the Shamrocks. Um, however it, it did yeah, as you said finish in a draw, um, six nine forty five to seven three forty five. So maybe some inaccurate kicking um cost the Shamrocks there, but yeah our first draw of the season and um, a a really close match.
0: Frustration, I guess, for the Shamrocks. I guess for the Giants, the positive coming out of that is they've finally done something that's clicked. They've managed to kick five goals, and I guess that's something positive for them going forward.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, they've finished whilst a win, obviously, would have been the result they were seeking. They've obviously finished with momentum, so they'd be hoping to carry that into um, their, their game next week.
0: The Western Wolves and Macquarie University and uh, getting back the GWS Giants captain for the uh, Macquarie University Warriors. Yeah, so we saw
2: across... Across all games this week, the the local clubs that had GWS GWS players um, got most of them back this week. And, look, I mean, a five-goal to one first quarter from the Warriors really set the tone for the day, Um, and they've just never hit it. Um, And they ended up winning 55-16. to Um, And, I mean, Amanda Ferrugia, as you'd mentioned before, you know, she came back from captaining the Giants um, and was in the best for the Warriors, also kicked a couple of goals. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah... They they just outplayed the wolves um, all day, um, so yeah, a, a great performance by the Warriors
0: there. And a club close to your heart, the Southern Power took on the Sydney Uni Bombers. Uh, a, a close one early in the game, but then the Bombers put the foot down.
2: Yeah, look, it, it really was a um, a tight contest. Um, the first quarter uh, was was quite close and low scoring. There was only a point in it. Um, But, you know, once the second quarter started, the Sydney Uni team really lifted their game and just outrun and outplayed the um, Southern Power ladies. Uh, Chloe Scrimshaw was dominant up forward for the Bombers, kicking four goals, uh, whilst the DWS players that they got back this week, um, you know, were also quite dominant. Um, And, you know, the the Power only kicked a a couple of goals on the day, so it was always going to be a hard task coming up against... um, you know, such
0: a, a strong strong team at Sydney Uni. Let's have a look at round four action uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, all games on the Saturday. First of all, 2pm at Mona Park. Uh, Auburn Penrith Giants versus Newtown Breakaways. If you asked me before the start of the season, I would have said, oh, yes, this is an easy Breakaways match. But the Giants actually lead the Breakaways on the ladder early in the season. Yeah, well, I mean,
2: look, I agree. I think most people, you know, before round one, would have sort of penciled this in as um, as the win for Newtown, um, you know, fairly easily. Um, and, look, Newtown are definitely going to be keen to get back on the winners' list after their um, slow start to year. So, look, I'm actually tipping the breakaways, but I think it'll be a close one. Um, you know, potentially I think it'll sort of, uh, you know, could be within a, a couple of goals. Um, but, yeah, it should be a, a great game there.
0: Western Wolves and your Southern Power at Pick and Oval, 2pm Saturday.
2: Yeah, that's going to be, obviously, another um, tightly contested match. Uh, look, last year, Southern Power and Western Wolves um, actually uh, entered a, a combined side. Um, so, you know, there'll be players from both, both uh, teams that are going to know each other well. Uh, so I'm expecting it to be a, a tough and hard-fought contest all day long. Um, perhaps showing a little bit of bias here, but given that Power have, um, you know, had a pretty good start to the season um, and only suffered their first loss on the weekend, I'm tipping the Power... Um, by 15 points and um, I think it'll be a a really exciting game of footy uh, from both teams
0: Let's head down to the Macquarie University game Uh, they're hosting UTS Shamrocks 5.15pm Saturday
2: Yeah so I mean look yeah, Warriors host the Shamrocks, uh, Nighttime time footy out at the uni. I think, again, I think actually all the games this week are going to be pretty close, um, but I think the Warriors will, will get the win here um, on their home turf, and uh, the Shamrocks will have to wait another week, at least, for uh, their first win of 2017.
0: And the one that we're all waiting for, 5.15pm Sydney Uni Oval number 1 on Saturday evening, the Sydney Uni Bombers and the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays.
2: Yeah, so this is definitely going to be, um, I think, what you determine as the match of the round. Um, It is a top of the table clash. And, uh, you know, both teams are undefeated. They both have several, uh, or between them, they have several GWS Giants uh, women's list of players within their teams. So I think what we're going to say it's probably going to be a bit higher scoring than the other three games this weekend. Um, you know, we'll be expecting a high-quality game of football. And, and again, I'm, I'm tipping a close one. Um, I think the Stingrays will... Uh, get the four points and hand Sydney Uni their first loss of the season. So, But, look, I think all four games are going to be quite close and, uh, yeah, excited to see some um, great footy this weekend.
0: Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on girlsplayfooty.com and we look forward to catching up with you right throughout the season having a look at AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Looking forward to it, Peter. Let's turn our attention now to the AFL Canberra Women's Competition for Round 2. Now, this is technically the first round for quite a number of teams with Round 1 being played later in the year. It's a little quirk of their fixture, but nonetheless, these were the results of Round 2. Tuggeranong Hawks, 9761 61 defeating the ADFA Rams, 2-6-18. The ANU Griffins, no score, were defeated easily by the Eastlake Demons, 2019-139. Mongolo Juggernauts, 11 7 Three, defeated the Riverina Lions 5 2 32. Kudamundra Blues, no score, lost the Gungalan Jets 21 16 142. And in the close game of the round, the Quimbian Tigers 6 5 41 defeated the Balkan Magpies by 5 points 5 6 36. Uh, the Ainsley Tri Colours having the bye. Now, there was, just to throw a little bit of confusion in there, a round four match played on Anzac. Day, a standalone game between the ADFA Rams and Cootamundra, and it was the Rams defeating the Blues 46-13 to in that game. Round three action happens uh, this weekend, where the ADFA Rams host the Quimbian Tigers 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, also 10 a.m. Saturday, Riverine Alliance host the Tungredong Hawks at Gumley Oval. Also at 10 a.m., Eastlake Demons host the Mongolo Juggernauts. Uh, 12 p.m. on Saturday, Balcona Magpies host the Cootamundra Blues, and 10am on Sunday, the Ainsley Tricolors host the ANU Griffins with the Gungalan Jets, having the bye. Heading west now to the WAWFL Round 3, where Coastal Titans, 9-5-59 defeated their arch-nemesis, Swan Districts 6-5-41. Goal kickers for the Titans, Smith 2, Stubbs 2, Derek 2, Timmers, Hooker and White all kicking a goal for Swan Districts. Chout with 3, Sharp 2, Maguire with the solitary goal. Uh, in the match between the Thunderbird and East Perth Royals, it was Peel. 23-13, 151, defeating East Perth, 2-1-13. Bartlett kicking five for the Thunderbirds. Uh, Winnetty with three. Kiara Phillips with three. Hardy with three. Duffy with three. Church, two. Beaumont, McKinley, Dowson, and Perry all getting on the scoreboard. Just the two goal kickers for the Royals, Bates and Garston, getting a single each. In the derby between the Sharks and the Bulldogs, East from 2-10, 22, defeated South Frio, 2-3-15. Only goal kickers for the day, Gomes and Solly for East Frio, Pickett and Bennell for South Fremantle. And in the final game of the round, West Perth 11-11-77 defeated the Perth Angels 4-4-28. Four, four, for West Perth, Garlett with three, Hill with two, Sangret with two, uh, Pew Hungal. Uh, Nikazi and Segali uh, all getting goals uh, for the Perth Angels. Thompson to Watterson and Thompson also getting on to the scoreboard. Claremont with the bye for the round. Round 4 action sees South Fremantle host the Coastal Titans at Anning Park on Sunday. Also on Sunday 2pm Perth Angels host East Perth. East Fremantle hosts the Thunderbirds at East Fremantle Oval 2pm Sunday start and also Sunday 2pm Swan Districts host Claremont at Steel Blue Oval. That should be a good game. West Perth with the bye. And finally heading down to the Apple Isle in Tasmania. It is round one of the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition for 2017. Tigers having the bye. Bernie hosting Glenorchy at West Park 1pm start Saturday and also 1pm Saturday. Launceston host Clarence at Windsor Park now over the past few episodes we've been having a look at the United States Australian Football League particularly at a club level we've spoken to the Seattle Grizzlies the Los Angeles Dragons the North Star Blue Ox out of Minnesota uh, the Boston Demons and of course recently uh, Andrea Casillas out of the New York Magpies about the Eastern Region Metro Circuit that uh, started up last weekend now it's time to have a look at an in-depth preview of the US AFL women's teams for 2017 there's 15 clubs that have women's players, each ranging from full teams to some that have only got a couple of players and usually joined with other clubs at various tournaments. And that's why I've got the best person possible on the line, the USAFL media manager, Brian Barish. Now, he's been doing an in-depth preview of all these sides. You can read it right now on usafl.com. Brian, thank you very much for your time. And first of all, I do have to comment that just like we've seen in London and, of course, naturally happening here in Australia since the birth of AFL Women's, there's been a huge explosion in numbers of women wanting to play Aussie Rules.
4: Yeah, we're up to 15 teams that will be fielding uh, women's clubs uh, this season, uh, which is the most we've ever had. And we know that there are some uh, initiatives in other cities as well. Des Moines uh, is uh, starting to get a team together in Wisconsin, in Madison, the capital. Uh, they are uh, getting some women together. They're not an official USAFL club yet, but uh, they should hopefully be be official in the next year or two so uh it is ever growing which is great to see
0: let's start off by uh, going to the east and central coast that were part of your preview available now on usafl.com uh one of the first teams is the baltimore washington lady eagles and we should point out that they do regularly team up with the columbus Chileroos for campaigns such as eastern regionals and of course uh, the nationals
4: they do, as well as as Boston as well, Peter. Uh, the Lady Eagles have they have that challenge of trying to recruit in a place that is so transient as the nation's capital. Uh, Emily Real has been since coming down from Boston has been their star. Uh, she's actually in Sydney with. Uh, uh, UNSW uh, ahead of the International Cup but they still have some good players uh, players who have played on the Freedom side including Alex Mims-Pike Sam Worrell who's going to be on the Liberty team uh, uh, Karen Stavlin who is defender for the Freedom uh, who will be uh, heading overseas to Melbourne for the International Cup Uh, they have a, a great rookie from last year who's going into her second season and Molly Halberstadt who will be playing for the Liberty so it's a good makeup of players it's just a matter of a Being able to recruit and hopefully this uh, eastern regional uh, metro that uh, you mentioned last week uh, should be a a good growth tool for that.
0: And of course, we spoke to Molly a few weeks ago as well, and some of them had the additional warm up of uh, playing in Iceland.
4: Yeah, that was a pretty good for them. I know they had had brought a couple of players and there was a a couple of players from New York and uh, Amy McGinnis from Chicago, uh, as well as some of the girls from Montreal. So yeah, that's a heck of a way to start. I mean, I'm jealous. I wish I could have gone to Iceland. It's so beautiful up there.
0: Let's move down to another team. We go in alphabetical order, Um, the Boston Lady Demons. Of course, we did a feature on them a couple of weeks ago about the Woosher effect with uh, Brisbane Lions footballer Jessica Wooster, who played for them uh, a couple of seasons ago.
4: That's a very good trivia question, as you mentioned in in your article there a couple of weeks ago, Peter. The Demons are another team that have struggled with numbers over the last couple of years, but it looks like, uh, for the most part, most of their players from last season will come back. Uh, The Demons and that that wild combination that they had with uh, Montreal and Philly and Des Moines and Chicago that became runners up in the nationals last year they missed out on amanda king who has suffered a a hand injury right before nationals and had to miss out but uh, tracy toner who was a rookie did a really good job to come into the rock Uh, colleen cotto was another rookie who came in for them Uh, of course lisa arredondo who has a Still in the coaching role, but uh, very important around the pitch. I think the play of King is going to be very important. She's going to be heading to Melbourne, not as a member of the Freedom, but rather as a member of the European Crusaders. She also has Swedish uh, uh, nationality, so uh, it'll be good to see her over there and get a chance at the international stage as well. But and of course, uh, Kalen Deal, uh, who is uh, We saw her back at Nationals after the injury she had suffered. She had suffered a knee injury at the East-West Showdown back in 2015. So it's still a growing club. They're still getting their numbers together. But whenever they get together in a combination, as you mentioned, with Columbus or with Baltimore-Washington, they're always a pretty good side.
0: And, of course, the Lady Demons will have uh, soon coming up as well an Eastern Regional uh, Metro that they'll be hosting.
4: Yes, uh, they're they're hosting. Uh, I think the tail end of that uh, of the series, I believe.
0: Let's uh, go across to the Columbus Gillaroes, and uh, the breakout player clearly for them uh, last year was uh, Katrina Shearer, otherwise nicknamed as Sonic. Great speed, great kicking as well. May I say for an American, I think it was only just the bounce that she was yet to master.
4: Yeah, and, and once you get that, you're a complete player. It's it's funny because there's this joke about players who can rock, who really can't do anything else. They can't kick. They can't, uh, they, they can't catch, but, uh, Sonic's the, the full package. I remember when seeing her for the first time at the Eastern Regional, and John Ironmonger, who was one of the coach for the USA Freedom, uh, came right over to her afterwards and introduced himself, and you knew that uh, this was something special. The the best thing about it, though, Peter, is you look at the team around, around her. Uh, this is a team that largely started playing back in 2014 and really have come on their first Nationals. Back in 2014, they had they they had only been playing for a couple of months, and they got completely polacks in all three games. But now they've they've really they've really come on. I've been very impressed with players such as Ariel Balski, who I I think is is the USAFL version of Sarah Perkins. Uh, she is a, a very strong player, as uh, she's good at leading at the football, and she, she takes more marks, and she's getting uh, much better with her kicking. Other uh, defense is getting better as well. Other uh, one veteran on the team is Stephanie McKittrick, who actually had played in Western Australia about 10 years ago. She was the captain for the first couple of years in the on the Columbus team. Uh, Lauren Balsley is another player to keep, keep an eye on. She was named to the Liberty side, as was Amy Berniarski in the middle. So this is a team that uh, I think they're going to need to figure out a way to get the ball forward when they play uh, by themselves. They had just opened up the season against Toronto. It was a 32-point a loss against the Central Blues, but they played well in that game. So I, I think they're, they're coming along nicely. And the addition of Shearer is really making everyone better.
0: Looking at the Minnesota Frees, who finished mid-table at the uh, Division One Nationals uh, last year, um, I was impressed with their all-round team performance. They seem to be a very balanced unit. Uh, for my money, they just seem to be missing maybe one or two genuine superstars just to get them over the edge, to get them to top spot.
4: Well, they're not short of, of good players. I think Jackie Thielen had a really good tournament at Nationals last year, just breaking out of the middle, uh, playing well in the rock, and, and and really providing a spark plug forward. Uh, Kathy O'Ha is a very good forward. She's very opportunistic. I think she she needs to involve herself a little bit more in play, but she once she gets the ball, she's fairly deadly. She's also very good at second efforts. Uh, Paige Kicker uh, – can play just about anywhere, and she had a really good Western tournament. The first game against uh, Sacramento, it was a low scoring affair. It was only 2 to 1, uh, was the final after 40 minutes. And Kicker got probably about 20 25 touches of the ball. I think she needs to be a little bit more efficient with her disposals. But other than that, um, yeah, I feel like they're probably one or two players short. It'll be interesting to see now uh, how they're affected with the addition of the North Star Blue Ox team. That that's also based in, in Minnesota. Uh, but uh, there's still a strong side. I think they have an outside chance. We'll have to see. But uh, I'd say mid-table – And and up is probably about where they'll finish this year, uh, assuming they come back to Division 1.
0: New York Magpies uh, full of uh, rookies uh, last year, and that uh, showed in their ladder result, uh, going down from uh, second to finish as uh, last without a a win on the board at the Nationals. So I guess on on one point of view, it was good that their rookies managed to get some game time at the Nationals, get some experience under their belt, but it still seems they might be in a bit of a rebuilding phase.
4: To an extent, I, I would agree with that. The, some of their rookies, though, were really good. and I was really impressed with Natalie Wolf, who came in right from the beginning and played ruck. I don't think she'll be asked to play the ruck this season. She'll be taking on more of a defensive role to shore up, uh, playing alongside Drea Casillas, who is heading into USAFL season number 13. Taylor Davidson who's probably one of the most dependable fullbacks in the league. I think where they're going to uh, be a little thin is up front. Uh they have Renee Koff, who, uh, who is a step back from the team this year. So it'll be up to players such as Genevieve Wallace, who uh, played well in the midfield at, at, uh, at the Nationals. They nicknamed her Cobra, and she does tend to slither about a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how she does in the forward line, uh, the young Queenslander. Uh, Siobhan McHale, who is a Freedom regular, as well as, of course, Kim Hemingway, who was kept relatively quiet at, at Nationals last year. Uh I think she'll be very important, but the Magpies can't rely on her. And The good news is, is some of these players, especially in the big midfield, uh, Emily Eastlake I was really impressed with, KJ Russell, another Australian who's really well, um, and Grace Coplow who I think had a as good as she was in her first season, she really had a breakout season last year. She's almost like a linebacker in a sense. She's, she hits really hard, but she's quick enough to get to the tackle and force free kicks. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do. I still think they'll have a good season, how they'll do at Nationals. I think them and Sacramento are about on the same level.
0: And I put uh, Kim Hemingway being quiet uh, at the Nationals because uh, on day one, the two games there, she played out of the forward 50. And and the problem was for the Magpies up against good opposition, particularly San Francisco went on to win the title. Uh, They just seemed to break down between midfield and half forward. They just seemed to lack the player who could run and carry the ball to be able to deliver it, to get it in the zone for Kim Hemingway to bring her into the game to make her dangerous.
4: They're just going to have to clone clone her, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's going to be their issue this year. But you know what? I, I think the players in the middle are getting better. I mentioned Russell. I mentioned Eastlake. Uh, they have good speed in the middle, and so they'll, they'll just need to do that against the better teams. It's just a matter of you know actually doing it.
0: One of the new teams into the competition, as you alluded to earlier, based out of Minnesota, are the North Star Blue Ox.
4: Yeah, the Blue Ox... Uh, Minnesota has been a fairly fertile ground for uh, footy, especially on the women's side. Uh, They were – had always carried with them – uh, enough players to nationals for a full team and a reserve side, so it, it's no surprising that uh, our first women's derby, if you will, comes out of Minnesota, um, and they've got a good base so far with uh, three players who, uh, two of them have national experience in Marie Le victor as well as uh, Emily Smooter, who is uh, had actually had gone to IC14 and whose campaign there ended early with a knee injury, but she's recovering. uh, Has recovered and played well over the last couple of seasons. Very solid player. And defender uh, olivia vongharov their coach is Brian tyson who was a liberty defender who uh, who was uh, switched over to coaching early so it's a good base it'll just be a matter of how they recruit and they're planning to go to western regionals so uh, we may see them uh, maybe in a year or two in division one depending on how many players they can bring in
0: so, expect them to uh, probably pop up in a combo this year in Division 2 at the Nationals in San Diego. Uh, the Philadelphia yes. Hawks, which of course uh, sent a couple of players to be part of the quote unquote wild bunch in Division 2 last year.
4: Yeah, and uh, we've been talking about that in Philly, and I say we because as uh, you know, I was a member of the of the Hawks and the hierarchy for many years, and uh, they've been talking about that for some time, uh, Peter, and you know, finally last year uh, able to get the uh, the ed program going, and it yielded two players, uh, Erica Sackey, whose husband Jay is a longtime member of the Hawks, and Amy Arundel, uh, both of them are. Uh, former soccer players, and it was evident in at nationals as they were both active all over the all over the field, and that they both actually kicked a goal in Sarasota. So, two really good uh, enthusiastic players, as well as footy people, and they've been really uh, pushing the idea of. Getting more people, they're really involved, and I think that's very important. The metro uh, system, the metro circuit is going to be very important, and they actually host uh, here in Philadelphia on May 6th.
0: And uh, let's hope that that gives a nice little boost in numbers and uh, a bit of uh, emphasis on women's football in the Philadelphia region so they can uh, pump up their numbers. Another team also looking to pump up their numbers is down in Florida. There's some Petersburg Swans, the Jones sisters down there. And, of course, uh, one Canadian rugby convert who was very (laughs) impressive at the Division Two Nationals.
4: Heather Vanderhoop, yeah. She uh, took us, uh, actually, we both noticed her uh, when she played in that combination with uh, uh, Tampa, as they were known, with uh, Arizona and Seattle and Portland. And uh, it's an interesting program down there. They put a lot of stock in their Metro program, and they actually play side by side with the Swans Benz team. And uh, they're Metro season has gotten underway. I'm not sure as of yet as to how many games they'll be playing this season. I, I spoke to Dean Capone, who's the, the president of the Swans, and they said they were going to try and organize some matches with other teams. But uh, you'll probably see them at Nationals again in Division Two this season.
0: Let's go across to uh, the western part of the country, and uh, one club I've heard very little from during the off season, and to me, that says they're plotting and they're planning behind the scenes. The Denver Bulldogs, who surely must be feeling stung after uh, having their title reign come to an end.
4: I, yeah, I was going to say I, I haven't heard much from them either from that from that camp, and uh, you know, they were they were very disappointed disappointed after that 9-6 loss and look that game could have gone either way and and I'll tell tell your listeners that if you have not seen that game between San Francisco and Denver go on the USAFL YouTube and look it up because uh, for my money it was the best game of the year now you might be saying 9-6 9-6 to six over 40 minutes, that's not terribly exciting. But when you think about the fact that the wind uh, was blowing one side of the field, and really Denver, who, who was down 9 nothing at halftime, threw everything they could uh, at, at San Francisco. When you think of the players they have, Howie Adrian, who's one of the most versatile athletic players, one of the strongest athletic players. Tawania Clark, who can do just about everything. Uh, uh, Monique Fair, who was a rookie and really shown with her athleticism and Allison Bremner, uh, who is a very good forward. They threw everything. Lindsay Castanic, another one. And every time they got the ball, there was, there was Carly Smolak. There was Sarah Magione for San Francisco. Uh, so Denver was not happy to have lost that game. Uh, I know they're doing a, a fair bit of soul searching, but um, it's, it's an unfamiliar position they'll enter this season with at, As the challenger, it's not happened since 2009. Um, It's going to be difficult for them because, uh, as you'll you'll see, San Francisco has gotten really good uh, and some of the other teams have as well. I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm saying this is going to be a bigger challenge even more so than last year.
0: Let's focus on the Sacramento Suns who uh, finally broke through for a win at the Nationals when they beat New York on day two uh, last year. For them, they're starting to make some positive movements upwards. They're not a side that's getting smashed around anymore. They are becoming competitive. It's starting to come together for them. I don't think they'll challenge for the flag, but there's positive signs.
4: Very positive signs, and I'm with you. I, I think they're a middling club, but but not in a in a bad way. I definitely think they've they've improved to that point. And the biggest key for them was their defense. Look, we talked about. Uh, uh katie clatt how how much of a of a difference she made in the middle but she went over to australia midsummer they didn't have her at nationals and i think with with the exception of of getting uh, beat in you know, pretty handily by san francisco the, the lady sun's defense is still still very very good uh we, I think about Mackenzie Carr, who's going over for the Liberty, uh, Elizabeth Danielson in her first full season. I mentioned Grace Koplow that she was sort of a linebacker type player. Uh, uh, Danielson is, is about the same. And what's even more interesting to me in, in a good way is the fact that after uh, one and a half full season, she will be playing for the USA Freedom in the International Cup. So, and she's that type of player who's very much search and destroy. I know Shiloh Curtis was very impressed with her when she was commentating with us a couple of years ago. lore Cuoca is another one in the back line. The midfield is very good. And, of course, Rosie Clough, former rower from Sacramento State, originally from San Diego. She'll be playing Nationals in her backyard. What I like about her is that she has that second and third effort determination, not just in the air, but on those ground balls. She's not afraid to stick her shoulder in and, knock, and knock someone out of the way. Uh, the one thing that I think they need, the difference between them them being where they are and maybe going up and challenging these other teams, is some more effectiveness in the forward line. Um, I like Jessica Smith who's played well uh, having played a little more than a season and Win is very fast but what they need is a player like Rosemary Clough who can make leads who can give them some height and take marks and open up the forward line a little bit if they can find another player who can play ruck and stick Rosie in the forward line uh, I think that I think that would make a big difference
0: to so a part of the country that had uh, one of the first ever women's sides uh, originally with the uh, Orange County the uh, bombshells, um, of course, the bombshells long gone, but now replaced by the Los Angeles Dragons, which have started up in the last few months.
4: Yes, and I, you had uh, you were talking to uh, Leilani Silvio and uh, Eileen Yoon not too long ago, and uh, they both had played for Sacramento, uh, seeing as though that was the closest team to them down in Los Angeles, other than San Francisco, of course, but uh, the fact that they have those two players playing named Lauren Sullivan, who played uh, briefly for New York last year had played for UTS Shamrocks, that's a pretty good base to build a team, and What's amazing is that uh, as of our recording, they're almost at 20 registered players, and they have a handful of Aussies. Uh, one of them, Diana Prezak, is a, is a uh, MMA uh, artist, as an a MMA fighter uh, as well. So the combination of the fact that LA is a very diverse area and the fact that the, the LA Dragons, who are a fairly well-established men's side, is going to mean that this this they're going to recruit well, and that this isn't just your normal startup team. That's not like an expansion team, as we say here in the U.S. Um, they should have enough for Division One at Nationals, assuming they're able to draw in more people. And if they can get into Division One, uh, they are not going to be a pushover. As I mentioned, with a handful of Aussies and with a couple of USAFL veterans, they're going to be a very fun team to watch. Should they make it to Division One, and even if they don't, uh, they should be a, a very handy group of players in, in Division Two.
0: And as their co-founders acknowledged, uh, it was just perfect timing for them as well with the Nationals this year being in San Diego. So from those that do take up the game at LA, they don't have to travel far, so they should be able to take a full squad down.
4: That's a heck of a carrot, too, is that if you go to Nationals, you're able to go to Nationals. Next year, where it'll be somewhere in the Midwest, uh, you'll you'll have that extra effort to say, "Hey, I had this glorious time here," and and hopefully they'll have done well. Yeah, it, it it'll mean a lot. And I think growing a team in Southern California is a big deal, considering you talk about markets and whatnot. There. The sports market there is huge, and if we can get a good foothold into it with the Dragons, maybe another team. I know San Diego has been talking for some time about starting a team up as well. Uh, that would be that would be incredibly beneficial to the league and to women's footy.
0: Let's head north to expansion country. Uh, first of all, the Seattle Grizzlies.
4: Yeah, the Grizzlies uh, put together their team last year. They got a handful of players that came to Western Regionals and also to Nationals, and of course were part of that team with Portland, uh, Tampa, and Arizona that won Division Two. And the driving force behind that was Valerie Barber Axthelm, a good defensive player. Uh, Little on the petite side at five two, but is very tenacious and very good at winning the ball on the ground, which is which is good and not afraid to lay a tackle. Uh, they had gotten another another uh, a veteran in Cho Sang who came over from Boston. She'll be playing on the Liberty with Barbara Axthelm. Uh, Allison Leonard was. Uh, probably their best rookie last year, and unfortunately, uh, she's out with an ACL injury, uh, at least for six months, and probably for the entire season, which is a bit of a blow. Uh, but uh, China Lens was very good in the Nationals last year. Seattle, as a whole, the men's team uh, had gone from being a, a Division One runner-up back in 2009 to almost oblivion, and they are now back in the thick of things, and that has also been a product of the fact that uh, Val and the rest of the uh, Seattle women are out there recruiting for both sides. So uh, they'll be fun to watch. They'll most likely be in Division Two again, but, again, a solid group of players.
0: Let's focus on the respective reigning champions for Division Two. They made up the core of that uh, combo, including uh, Seattle, Arizona, Tampa Bay as well in there. Uh, that is the Portland Sockeyes back-to-back Division Two title holders.
4: Yeah, and uh, they should make the run up to Division One, considering that they're just down the coast for nationals, uh, for down in San Diego, and. Obviously, the best player of that tournament and one of the best players across all the divisions, in my mind, is Simone Shepard. Uh, Simone, the Melbourne native, can do just about anything. She can ruck, she can row, she can march, she can kick, she can uh, bully you off the football. And again, that player like that just makes everyone around her much better. Now, they do have, for the first time, a member of the USA Freedom who will be playing in the International Cup and in Jessica. Jessica Blacker and Jess is relatively young. I believe she's only 23 or 24. She still has uh, a fair bit of really good football ahead of her. She's good in the midfield. She's not the fastest player, but she's quick. She can turn one acceleration. She's, she also isn't afraid to go in there and take a tackle. Uh, the Sockeyes have picked up a couple of players as well in the offseason, uh, as well as a couple of uh, ro- roller derby players who have, who have come over. Uh, Raven Mahoney was one uh, who picked up right before nationals she actually had found the sockeyes about a week before nationals uh and bought her ticket and came out and uh, she threw her roller derby skills to use so the sockeyes relationship with the uh, portland uh, roller derby team there has has really paid dividends because it's gotten them more interest in a partnership as well um I'm hoping they'll be in Division 1, and I think they deserve to be playing up in Division 1 if they can get the numbers down. And there, I think, like Los Angeles. I think they're a team that's going to be very tough to beat. I can't say necessarily they'd be up there with, with a San Francisco or a Denver just yet, but they're not going to be a pushover by any stretch of the imagination.
0: And you did mention Simone Shepard, of course, uh, being a Melbourne native. Of course, she's in the U.S. because she plays uh, ladies gridiron there. But uh, her performance in that Division 2 grand final, which got her the uh, – best on ground. It just kept making me thinking uh, that uh, if she was back in Melbourne or in the next couple of years manages to end up back home, um, that type of performance in that grand final could put her in serious consideration of an AFLW list.
4: You know, I... I- I would would definitely one hundred percent agree with you. I think that uh, you know she's playing and she's in her late thirties. I think that's the one thing that Mm. might you know it shouldn't turn teams off, but but you know AFL teams are going to be looking for certain things. But I'll tell you what, I would put her on the field, and I would say that she would. Would have a really good uh, uh, go against uh, players because you know she doesn't she she has the speed she has that confidence to go up. We saw her took some really really good marks at the Western Regionals, Um, so I think that's the only thing, and I and it shouldn't be something that the AFL teams look at. It's something that they do. I understand it's for long term. Um, I understand that's probably maybe why Kim Hemingway they look at and and Kim's, you know, Kim's 32. So, you know, it's, that's probably the only thing, but she is an amazing player. And like I said, she's probably the best player in the league.
0: Finally, to the division one national champions. And if they're listening back to this, uh, program they must be excited to hear that title always uh, said to their name the san francisco iron maidens who did it they broke the denver streak and uh all i've just seen for the last few months is them partying taking the cup everywhere around san francisco
4: yeah, it's it's the world tour, if you will, around the Bay Area, and the Bay Area is pretty big. Uh, but now it's time to get back to business, and they and they have uh, Julie Marks taking over as president, not only on the women's side, but uh, as of the of the entire Golden Gate uh, AFL, which encompasses the men's team, who had a pretty good season in their own right. They went undefeated through the regular season and went to the Division One Grand Final. So. Uh, in the 20 years or so of that program, last year was their best year. But the Iron Maidens, you know, they went into that national championship or into that third game against Denver. Pretty much was winner-take-all at that point. If Denver would have won, that would have been it. And you'll look at them and you're like, you know what? There's a different feel about this team. There's a different feel about this game. They went up 9 nothing. Denver had the win. Denver had, had – You knew that they were going to probably kick two goals and win, and you thought, well, you know, here it is again for San Francisco. Uh, They get in, they're probably going to finish second again after finishing second two years in a row and finishing third the previous year. But as time went on, and as I mentioned when I was talking about Denver, every time the Bulldogs put the ball forward, there was Sarah Maggion taking a mark, there was Carly Smolak taking a mark, there was Brett Brower back there taking a mark it all the, the defense just turned it on as game went on they're, they're going to do it they're going to do it and and you and i were up there and and i was starting to shake a little bit uh up there watching it like i, I can't believe this is going to happen uh, and they did it and their defense is you know we talked about how good sacramento's defense was san francisco's defense really came to the fore i think the the Biggest acquisition, and we talk about Katrina Scherer making her team better, coming on board last year. I think the best rookie of the Division One teams has to be Jackie DeLue, who came in, stepped right into the ruck, and completely changed uh, the uh, – The the look of the team, in a sense, because Brett Brower had been playing the ruck for the last couple of years. She's a very good ruck, but that allowed her uh, to play in the back line. She could play in the forward line. Uh, She played in the back line at Nationals and, and again, was just all over the place, taking marks, knocking people off the ball. Uh, So the fact that they were able to get another uh, capable rock as a rookie and and that you can see that it earned in spades because she'll be playing uh for the usa freedom in the international cup they're a very athletic team peter and we we talk about jessica estrada before uh she hasn't lost a beat uh, up in the forward line uh as well yanni castillo who's played well brower when she's able to get up there Um uh, it's just uh, claudia henderson is another one meg leone who McKenzie. can play in the forge he can play in the rock as well it's you know denver is going to be tough as they always are it's hard not to go against the defending champions uh they have to be the favorite but i have a feeling that as in previous seasons it's going to come down to san francisco and denver and i think and Denver ladies aren't going to like me saying this, but I like San Francisco a little bit more. I think they have a very good chance of repeating this year.
0: Uh, the one thing that I look at with San Francisco uh, that impressed me and, and clearly damaged sides on day one, those first two games where they managed to rack up some big scores, is the structure. And that's one thing that's uh, that's underestimated in American football, is the structure. And because of that, there was less congestion. They managed to spread wide. And when they got it into Estrada inside the Ford 50, there was plenty of space for her to work with, and she was able to turn opponents inside out. And that's why in a couple of games, you saw racking up four or five goals.
4: I think is one of the, the growing pains of the game is learning your positions and and learning what to do without the football, especially on the defensive sides. And I think overall that's really improved. But I think you hit the nail right on the head: is that they were able to spread the ball uh, and and get, and like you said, find Estrada, and she was able to get the lanes free, and and she has such incredible natural speed and and a good awareness especially inside the forward 50 to get to it and and really just help put the game away i think the other side of that peter as you mentioned the structure also uh one thing that we noticed in that final game was the adjustments that the coaching staff made, and it happened on both sides of that Denver game, but Michael Jobling, the the Iron Maidens coach, and Tara Salmon, uh, they saw, they knew they were going to have to batten down the hatches against a team that was going to be throwing everything against them, and to their credit, Bruce Durrell and the Bulldogs did the same thing. We saw them throw Caitlin Masher Mace at them, who's six foot four inches tall, and they uh, in the forward line to give them an extra target as well as kastanek as well as uh, adrian and, and clark and flit and fair and 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 they still came through so the fact that they held their structure on both sides of the footy that's what made that's what makes a champion and and it's considering that many of these players are american the fact that they're able to pick up that nuance of the game uh is incredible
0: and before we let you go we should mention one san francisco player melissa armstrong because i've seen her training with the arizona hawks and of course the hawks are trying to get their women's program going again because if you go back through the history of the USAFL, the lady hawks have been responsible for quite a number of important players that have spread throughout the country
4: yeah they have and uh, melissa had been with the hawks she actually was an original player the hawks when they were founded back in 2004 uh, she took some time away uh, to start a family she has four wonderful kids and came back several years ago uh, she played with san francisco last year it was part of uh, the preparation ahead of getting named uh, for the freedom team she'll be heading to play in the international cup as well in a couple of months and uh it's really great to see her head back to Arizona. That club as a whole is another one of those clubs. I mentioned Seattle that, uh, was good for a time. Uh, for the longest time, they they were really on a ventilator, in a sense, and, and it was actually the women's club that was more active on, than the men's side. Uh, they had the Freedom Camp back in 2015 that yielded a number of players that got named to the Liberty. Uh, Valerie Barbara axelm was one, and she went to Seattle, and of course, we know what what they're doing up there now. Uh, but uh, her and uh, Jason Wilhelm on the on the men's side, they're two very enthusiastic individuals, and they are helping reconstruct that club. And it would be great to see an original founding club such as Arizona come back. We've seen a, a number of clubs from the beginning of the USAFL Women's Days uh, fade away, unfortunately. Arizona, Milwaukee, mentioned Orange County. If the Hawks can get going again, and Phoenix is a very good sporting town. Uh, that would be very beneficial. And Melissa is a great player, and I think if they can get a good set of players around her, I think it would be great for the Hawks.
0: Well, Brian, thank you very much for your time and joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you around tournament time and, of course, catching up with you at IC17 this year in Melbourne.
4: Always a pleasure, Peter. Thank you.
0: And that wraps things up for yet another episode of the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden. It's been great having your company. Before I go, a quick reminder that you can check out all the latest women's footy news by going to GirlsPlayFooty.com. Follow us on Facebook. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Likewise, on Twitter. Again, just search for Girls Play Footy. Or remember to download this podcast from Thursday mornings on iTunes or SoundCloud. Search for Girls Play Footy. Or, of course... Tune in Wednesday evenings in Melbourne. If you've got a digital radio, just go to RSN Carnival, quarter past six on a Wednesday evening. Until next time, it's been a privilege having your company, and it's bye for now.